Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. My name is Josh and I'm joined by my friend and my co-host Alex. And we are here for a late night episode on Tuesday to talk about our New York Giants. Uh, Seven round mock draft 2.0 as well as some other stuff in the beginning here. So let's do that right now. And we're going to start off uh, with our points about Daniel Jones. But before we do that, Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, we have a little bit of a delayed episode that will be on me uh, here with a, a couple of delays that were not ideal. Uh, but we are here finally on this Tuesday night, Wednesday, for everyone listening. Uh, we got our 2.07 round mock draft, which we'll go through, um, which is pretty exciting. A little bit of a different twist, I guess, uh, from the first one. Obviously, if they were the same thing, then it would be pretty boring. And, uh, you know, some stuff about top 30 visits, a new center joining the Giants, and like you said, Daniel Jones and the gang out in Arizona. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it, and uh, I guess let's get right into it with Daniel Jones. Josh, you want to you start with that, or you want me to talk about it? Whatever you want to do. All right, I'll talk about it. So Daniel Jones uh, was in Arizona or still in Arizona. We don't exactly know. Um, he probably is still there. Uh, among a whole bunch of offensive players, including Saquon Barkley, who is, at least it seems like at the moment, not holding out despite him being under the franchise tag and unable to get a long-term deal done at this moment. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, uh, Lawrence Cager, David Sills, Colin Johnson, Daniel Bellinger uh, were there. People were very worried because Darren Waller wasn't there, but Darren Waller did end up showing up. Um, you know, kind of, I guess, a few days late uh, into their, I guess, training session. David Sills obviously was there. It wouldn't have been an off-season training without David Sills. Um, and overall, a really, really nice group of guys. Uh, I'm sure we're missing a whole bunch of people as well. There was basically most of the offense uh, showed up to Daniel Jones's training in Arizona. And uh, it looks like uh, this is going to be a good start to the season here you know, gel with some of these new receivers that came in uh, with Campbell and Waller. Um, and I guess, you know, get a little bit of cohesion with some of the guys who've been out injured for a while as well. Sterling Shepard, Colin Johnson, guys recovering from ACL injuries. Uh, you know, really excited about that. And, you know, I'm not like going to jump all over the place because yes, it is just off-season training where they're throwing in shorts and t-shirt in Arizona. So I'm not going to be going crazy, but uh, it is nice to see them together in the off-season. The next piece of news we have here is the Giants signed a center. It's J.C. Hossenauer, I think is how you pronounce the name. I don't know for sure. Uh, a former undrafted free agent out of Alabama. Uh, I'm just going to say J.C. entered the league with the Atlanta Falcons back in 2018. He's been with the Steelers since 2020, appearing in 45 regular season and two playoff games over the past three seasons. And he started seven of those games. J.C. has played 545 snaps at center and 147 snaps at left guard during his career. The reason he was brought into the New York Giants, however, is because of those majority of his snaps in his career, which was at the center position. That is what he's going to play for the New York Giants. We most likely believe he will start at that position. However, it could very well be a backup role if one of the other players on the team shifts over from left guard or right guard. Uh the Giants sign a better free agent out there. I don't believe that happens or they draft uh, one, which you'll find out if we draft a center later or not. 
Uh, the team had no centers on the roster, obviously, because they lost Nick Gates to the Washington Commanders in free agency. And they also lost the other center that was on the roster and the starting center for the team this last season, which was John Feliciano to, I believe, the 49ers. Not 100% sure on that. I think it was the 49ers that uh, Feliciano left to join. Uh, and that is the news there. More news, actually. I lied. Uh, this is draft-related. The New York Giants have top 30 visits scheduled with. We did an update on this last week. We're back here with another update on this. Uh, tight end Luke Musgrave. Quarterback Clayton Toon. Offensive lineman Chandler uh, Zavala. Defensive lineman Tavius Robinson. Wide receiver Marvin Mims, which I think we talked about last episode. Not 100% sure. And wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. And that is your updated top 30 visits for this episode. We might have one more update on those visits next week for next episode. But for now, that is the top 30 guys or so, you know, this week that the Giants have either talked to already uh, or are going to talk to. Yeah, I mean, we talked about a whole bunch of guys. It seems like a ton of wide receivers are coming in. We talked about Flowers and Addison coming in, that they're coming in tomorrow or today as you're listening to this on Wednesday along with Mims and Hyatt. So it looks like they're bringing in all the wide receivers on one day. Maybe a nice little comparison between the players. Uh, One name that's popped up quite a bit here is Marvin Mims Jr. out of Oklahoma. It's interesting because he was one of the first names that came uh, out in terms of who the Giants interviewed at the Combine. Uh, And now they're bringing him in again for a top uh, top 30 visit here. So he must have been pressed at the Combine. Uh, an interesting player, more of a second-round projected receiver at the moment, you know, mid to late second round, about where the Giants are picking in the second round. And they have shown a lot of interest in him. They sent a few guys to Oklahoma's Pro Day as well. So it's, I think it's an interesting player that the Giants have showed a lot of interest in. Is it maybe a smokescreen? I don't know. Um, I would assume not. And uh, I could see him... Being a guy that the Giants even look at at 25, if they really are in love with with Mims, could he be a guy that they quote unquote reach on? Um, you know, as they you know look at their board, especially if players like Jalen Hyatt and Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston are all off the board at that point. Say there's a run at receiver before, and they really want a receiver, and they are not sure if Mims is going to make it um, to their second round pick. Maybe they stand pat at 25 and take them. So that's interesting thing I was kind of playing with in some mock drafts when we we're, you know, preparing for this 2.0 mock draft and, you know, future mock drafts as well for the seven rounders for the Giants. Where would Mims fit in? Um, and if he does fit in, and I guess you'll see that in a second uh, with our mock draft, just wanted to mention him because I think he's a player that is kind of been off the radar in terms of the Giants when we talk about receivers. Um, you know, him and Tyler Scott, two players that have been shown a lot of interest by the Giants, but not, you know, a lot of people talking about that interest uh, on social media and uh, on live. All right, let's now get into our New York Giants seven round mock draft 2.0, highly anticipated by us. Very excited to get into it. And I would say to uh, already give us not credit, but uh, just a little statement in the beginning. I think this mock draft is a little bit more realistic than the last one we did. No Stetson Bennett, six-round picks. That was my big one then. Why do you hate that I pick? I hate so that pick because the Giants aren't picking a QB in this draft, and we can bet money on it. We can just talk about it right here. I don't care. 
if they draft a QB, Alex, uh, I don't know how I'm going to react to it, but you can definitely laugh in my face when it happens, And um, but I'm, I'm happy to bet on that right now. Anyway, that's not the point, because there is no QB in this um, in this mock draft, I should say, uh, but we are really excited to get into it. And Alex, without further ado, should we just hop into it and go to pick 25? I think we should just hop right into a pick 25, what everyone's talking about. I wish the kind of norm with these mock drafts is that you'd go from like round seven to round one. So it's like all high anticipation. But unfortunately, that's not how the draft works. So everyone gets the excitement right in the beginning. But, you know, I actually find personally that the seventh round picks are pretty exciting. I know most people do not agree with that. But anyway, I'll uh, I'll let you, Josh, announce it. Uh, you know, I know I'm throwing it back to you now, but I feel like this is so bad, you know, big. I need to kind of raise anticipation now. Get everyone, you know, excited for this. I should have our old picks in front of me. Do you remember offhand who was in our 1.0 at 25? Yes, I do remember. It was Deontay Banks, cornerback, Maryland. Um, and this time we go. Yeah, and this time at pick 25, uh, it is uh, Zay Flowers. The quarterback out of Boston College, 22 years old. I'm not going to go crazy into him. If you want crazy into him, uh, go to our and listen, or I think it's on YouTube as well. You can watch our wide receiver breakdown of the top players at that position. But I will say is that he led Boston College in receiving yards of all time, uh, their all-time leader, 3,056 yards, and this past season, 78 catches, 1,077 yards, and 12 touchdowns. And his route running ability is the perk with flowers he's been linked to the giants a little bit he's been on their mock drafts uh from you know new sources around the nfl as well as he's met with them specifically so um definitely connections with the team and a lot of guys here connections with the team i I would say not a lot but you know a couple because there's not like a lot of picks there's like only what is it 10 or something like that so a couple of these guys definitely linked directly with the giants meaning they have met with uh and then, as I'm sure Alex uh, influenced your decision to pick them if they were available. Anyway, that is uh, pick number one in this draft. Pick number 25, specifically, Zay Flowers, BC. Yeah, I mean, Flowers is a guy, he's got great agility. He's really strong for someone of his stature. Um, he's a great separator as well. We've seen that in his time at Boston College. He's shifty, he's a playmaker. When you get the ball in his hands, he can be really, really effective. And I know Giants fans everywhere have talked about him. So like you said, Josh, we're not going to get too much into him, but I do think the interest in Zay Flowers, they met with him at the Combine. They they met with their meeting with him uh, tomorrow as we record this for his top 30 visit. I think the interest in the receivers is real, and I think the interest in Zay Flowers is real. Is he the prototypical alpha number one receiver that you look for, uh, that we're all looking for for Daniel Jones? No, um, but it's not all about size, as Joe Shane has put it many times uh it's about separation and kind of the other qualities you know for example uh i know people love using this uh, stat josh downs another wide receiver prospect he's only 510 but he is the best contested catch receiver in this class statistically uh so that is something interesting right he's a 510 170 odd something pounds uh, and he is the best contested catch receiver in this class and there are multiple uh, you know, taller, bigger receivers than him. So it's not always all about size with him. Alex, 
Did you uh, curve under the pressure here of a couple comments uh, that our Giants wide receiver in the last one was not picked until I believe round four with the Bearcat uh, Tyler Scott, right? It was round three. It was round three, round right? Three, I think okay. so. Well, what was? Oh, because I got I got some hate for that, didn't I? Not some hate, but they were like, you know, they people want the Giants uh, fans want their clear number one wide receiver, and sure. I completely understand that. Notice how we also shied away from a guy like Jalen Hyde in this pick. Uh, definitely a guy to shy away from the, for the Giants, even though they're meeting with him. Uh, and I love Jalen Hyatt. I mean, I'm, I'm hopefully going to root for him if he doesn't go to a rival NFC East team. Like, ba basically, if he doesn't go to the Cowboys or the Eagles, I'll be able to root for him. So let's yeah. hope that happens. And, of course, that'll probably happen. Anyway, Hyatt's another slot guy. We have enough slot guys. I mean, this wide receiver room is filled with slot guys. You look at probably Sterling Shepard now as he gets older here, can't play the outside as well as he did. Uh, you look at Wondell Robinson. He was drafted to play the slot. We had Kadarius Toney, who was a slot wide receiver. Obviously, he's not here anymore. Uh, you signed Paris Campbell. He's a slot wide receiver. So we, we don't need another slot guy. I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, so you notice that's why Zay Flowers is here and not Jalen Hyatt. All right. It is the first pick. So obviously, we got to talk about a little bit more than all the other ones. And then the talking kind of goes down as we go along with less information on each one. So... Let's not talk forever about flowers here. Alex, I'll hand the uh, the mic, pass the mic to you, even though we both have mics, uh, so you can talk about pick number 57 in the second round for the Giants. All right, pick number 57. Uh, this is a player that kind of was really, you know, talked about a lot, I think, earlier in the draft cycle, uh, you know, pre-combine, pre-pro days. Um, and that player is Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. Uh, he's six foot almost 200 pounds 198 he is your prototypical man corner uh, a perfect fit for the wink martindale scheme when you're looking in the second round here um of corners uh you know obviously your top three guys are going to be off the board uh, at this point i believe ringo banks were both off the board uh i believe the only options at this pick were cam smith uh julius brents and then uh, Stevenson, obviously, who I was talking about, DJ Turner actually was off the board as well, that corner out of Michigan uh, that I know Mel Kuyper is really, really high on. But the reason I chose Stevenson is I think in terms of man coverage, he's the best player, uh, at least at this current time, out of the uh, guys I just mentioned. Uh, yes, he doesn't have the size of Brents, who's 6'4". You know, yes, he doesn't have the versatility maybe in zone coverage that Camp Smith has uh, in terms of his ability in that. But I think overall as a overall corner, I know I just said overall twice in a row, I think, you know, Stevenson is a really, really good prospect and someone who's kind of, uh, I guess, faltered due to the insane testing of players like DJ Turner, who ran a 4-2-6 at the combine, even though Stevenson did ran a run a 4-4-5, uh, excuse me. And he's got great long arms. Uh, he's a great press corner. He's got quick, uh, you know, quick hands. His ball skills are very good as well. And um, overall, you know, he's definitely, uh, you know, uh, not the best tackler. Uh, he definitely uh, gets a little bit too grabby as well. Penalties are an issue for him. But that's a lot of stuff that you can clean up that's more technique-based. Overall, his, his, you know, physical attributes, his length, his speed, uh, and his instincts overall pretty good. And I think uh, he's the best fit here. And the Giants need a cornerback number two badly. And yeah, and Alex, uh, CB2, I mean, we, we address two, that's what the draft is for, right? But we address two needs with these, and two big needs. We need a wide receiver, and we need a, key, uh, a CB2. We have a Dory Jackson right now, 
And besides that, we got a couple guys, again, who can play one position. And then, you know, we talked about slot wide receiver. This is kind of like that nickel cornerback role, which is what I would call the slot wide receiver uh, of, you know, if you want to flip it to cornerback, right? Because they're they're in that kind of slot position just at the cornerback position. Stevenson's perfect to not do that and play the outside at six foot, almost 200 pounds. He's like kind of the perfect build for an outside guy to play across uh, the field from Adoree Jackson. But yeah, you look at Holmes, we have him. Isn't Cordell Flott also a nickel kind of guy? Uh, I mean, flexible, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then you look at, um, oh my gosh, what is it? Oruwarie is the guy we signed from the Lions. I mean, he's outside. He's outside. He's outside, but we don't even know what he's going to be yet because he had that really productive year two seasons ago, and then last year was benched. So we have no idea. You You can't really expect anything from him right now. You need to address that outside position. Uh, and it would be nice if we get an outside guy here early on in the draft so then Oruarie can at least be the third string uh, at that position and we kind of know what we have um, at at those two outside with Jackson and, and Stevenson if this works out. All right, we ready to move to three now? Let's go to 89, third round, and we address the offensive lineman early again. We did it last time in round two. Uh, a talk there, and we even talked with Trevor uh, Sikama of PFF about it. He agreed that John Michael Schmitz, he's not going to be there at 50 fe- 57, excuse me. So he wiped it off. Will this guy even be there at 89? We'll see. Uh, but we got interior offensive linemen, or more specifically, the center position is what he would be playing for the New York Giants. Uh, Joe Tipperman. Tipman. I, uh, it's my fault. I'm sorry. It's, it's so your fault. <laughs> Alex, when we interviewed Sikama, put in the outline Tipperman. That's what he thought his name was. So I said it, and now it's not leaving my head. His name is Joe Tipman, and he's a guard in Syria offensive lineman, excuse me, out of Wisconsin. Center. Leaving it at that. Center, interior offensive lineman. That's, that's the same. Josh is imagining different people now that I messed up the name. I mean, oh, Tipman's interesting. Brother. Because he's a he's a tall center. He's six six. Obviously, we're a little bit used to tall centers. Nick Gates was six five when he played center with us. Uh, you know this or not this past season, but the season before before he got injured. He's definitely a really really solid uh, in terms of his technique, but his size could be an issue. You know, guys can get under him. Uh, you know, the more shifty defensive tackles. Um, you know, he's definitely a good pass protector. Um, He's solid in the run game as well. You know, his agility is not great because of his size. He's a little bit underweight considering his size at 317. Um, And his, you know, his discipline uh, in terms of holding penalties and other penalties as well, even in the run game, uh, are definitely concerns as well. And he plays too high. Um, That's also a concern with Tittman. But I kind of feel like, you know, you look at the attributes that are there. Maybe he transitions to guard uh, at the next level if, the, if center doesn't work out. We saw O-line coach Bobby Johnson work uh, working him out at his pro day. So that was one reason I was keeping an eye on Tittman in all of these drafts. So I do think at this point uh, there was only uh, Tittman and uh, Olu, as I was calling him, the center from Michigan, um, Ola Watami, I believe it is. There, I nailed the name. Don't worry about it. Uh, Ola Watimi. There we go. I didn't nail it. Um, and he was the only one there. I kind of had Tipman a little bit above Ola Watimi uh, in my, I guess, personal view of these centers. Uh, so I chose him. That's pretty much as simple as it is. 
I did hear you say, is he going to be there? Centers do tend to drop every single year. I don't think John Michael Schmitz is going to drop, but I do think that Tittman could be a candidate to drop. Uh, and he is projected more late second, early third. So it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that he drops to the late third. Alex, uh, I mean, if you want me to go back to back, I'm perfectly fine with doing that. But it is your turn. I want to respect I, it. I know. I just felt like I was talking for so long. And I just like needed a break. But yeah, sure. I'll go uh, back uh, here, I guess, for my turn. I'm not going back to back. Uh, the next player we got here is uh, Tajay Spears out of Tulane. Uh, smaller running back, only 5'10". Is it? Is it Tajay? Have we been saying? Tajay. Tajay. Josh, help, please. I think it's TJ. I don't TJ. know why we would switch TJ. it to TJ. I'm bug switching it. TJ. You're, you're switching it back now because I said TJ. Right? <laughs> He's doing some reverse psychology on me. I don't like this. The Tipman, it's, it's you're the test in my head here. This is I feel like this is like, a, you know, I was watching today. I was watching Black Mirror on Netflix. This seems like a Black Mirror episode. You're messing with my head, Alex. I don't like this for any of you people who watch that show. That's really what this feels like. But anyway, go back to pick 28, Spears. Just just call him Spears. All right. Pick 128. I'm restarting the whole thing. Pick 128, running back out of Tulane, uh, TJ Spears. <laughs> I got to go for it. Sorry, I need to say the full name at least once. Sorry, Josh. Uh, only 5'10", 201, a smaller running back. Uh, he's kind of more a receiving back in terms of what you look at him, his elite traits. He's an elite receiver. He's a great route runner, you know, been compared to some of the better receiving uh, receivers in this class as a route runner. Uh, he's got great hands as well. He's got good feet. Um, in terms of the run game, he's more of an outside runner. He's not going to be your ground and pound type of guy who's going to you know run up the middle for four yards he's more of a dancer almost like Saquon Barkley but in terms of what he can do in the passing game and kind of some more interesting design runs I think he'd fit perfectly in this Brian Dable and Mike Kafka offense you know kind of take some of that receiving load off of Saquon Barkley which we saw was really heavy especially last season when Brian Dable got him more involved in that uh you know portion of the offense overall I think he's a, a good fit here and in terms of the running backs on the board at the time, uh, you know, the Giants need a running back, and he was probably, uh, well, he was definitely the best uh, player on the board, in my, you know, opinion, obviously. Yeah, and uh, we talk about connections with the Giants. Spears actually met with them ahead of the NFL draft last month in uh, the month of March. And I know some of you Giants fans will be saying, well... What's going on here? Why is this? Why are you talking about a running back? We have Matt Breida. Yeah, we have Matt Breida. You're right. Correct. Um, Matt Breida was signed to what I think was another one-year deal. This guy is probably in his late 20s, if not 30s at this point, and they need a solidified backup running back. If Saquon Barkley ends up signing a deal, then we can just have our one and two guys be completely locked up for the next at least three or four years. Again, that depends. Obviously, if we draft a running back in, like, the fourth round, um, what we have here, he's not going to become the starter if Saquon doesn't sign with the Giants. But if Saquon does, then you have that one-two punch, and you have that for the next at least three or four years. So that's why we're picking a running back here. And Matt Breida did pretty well when he stepped in last season. Why not add a third guy uh, to the to the running here? But when they went to the pro day, the Giants did at Tulane. Uh, that's when they met with Spears. 
Uh, so just wanted to put that out there. You already talked enough about him, Alex. So I'm going to go to Kobe Wooden. Defensive tackle, Auburn, 160 is the pick there. Uh, the Giants need help on their interior off- offensive defensive line, uh, and they get it here with um, Wooden. So, Alex, I don't know, do you have anything that you want to talk about specifically on him? Yeah, so with Wooden, I was kind of looking for a defensive lineman. We know Joe Shane wants defensive line depth. A defensive lineman who's kind of got some flexibility. He's a little bit undersized to be a pure defensive tackle, uh, and he's a little bit too big to be a uh, you know hands out of the dirt def- uh, you know uh, three four uh, you know outside linebacker there off the edge. I think I see him more as a three four defensive end if I were to guess what his role would be in the NFL. But again, if he gains. 15, 20 pounds of muscle, maybe he can be, uh, you know, more of an interior guy, but he's just got great flexibility around the edge. He's got great power. You know, in terms of his technique, it's not great. Mostly in college um, with Auburn, he would just overpower his opponents uh, with his strength, and that was really how he'd win. He doesn't exactly have the best bend, but, you know, as a guy who knows how to get to the quarterback, he's got instincts. He's just so quick off the line you know his hand his use of his hands is not great and yes he maybe doesn't have the elite speed off the edge but in terms of his instincts to getting to the quarterback uh you know setting up uh, you know getting past blockers he's got a great motor as well uh I think overall there's a lot to work with work with with wooden uh if that makes any sense and I think uh you know he's a nice gadget piece on that defensive line that Maybe you can develop him into a true edge rusher, or maybe you develop him more into a defensive tackle, but he's got the skill set to possibly do both roles, and maybe could do both roles at a solid level in the NFL, or do one at a really elite level. All right, moving on to the next one. I know, I keep messing up my role here. Uh, Round five, uh, we are moving on to now. Pick 172, we're getting into the past 150 here. Uh, and that's when you get to the uh, exciting ones. Andre, I, oh my God, I'm good. You want me to step in? Andre Ayushivas. Ayushivas, but yeah. I, yes, go, what were you going to say? Go for it. No, you got it. He is a burner. Yes, he didn't have the combine 40 time of every thought he was going to have. He only ran a 4-4-3. And of course, I'm saying only. Uh, the Hawaiian wide receiver. I did not know that, by the way. He was born in Hawaii. Who knew? Uh, in case anyone's interested. Six three two I mean, five. Look at the last name. This is also true. Oh, <laughs> he had a lot of production for Princeton. Um, you know, he's a pretty good route runner. He's got a decent catch radius as well. He's pretty quick off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's got pretty reliable hands. Uh, and he's pretty, you know, I guess he's he has the size for your prototypical alpha Z receiver. And I think that's what's really exciting about him. He's got all the physical traits. He didn't play against the best competition, obviously, with the Ivy League. Uh, he doesn't really have the best separation considering his speed as well, which is something Joe Shane has, uh, you know, emphasized, obviously. He struggles against press coverage as well, limited route tree. And, uh, you know, those are the concerns with him. He's obviously a fifth-round receiver, so he's not going to be perfect, as we all know. Joe Shane, uh, you know, uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s agent or something, 
reached out or talked to uh, Joe Shane about Ayushivas. So Ayushivas. So there's a connection there. Don't know if it's actually going to happen. I feel like we talk about this guy constantly. Josh, go ahead. I, I'm. I need to. You know what? From now on, I'm just going to pick people with easy names like Henry Smith. That's going to be like, I need to find someone like that. It's the most basic Madden, my player name I've ever heard. Yeah, I think that's, there you go. Yeah. Um, I know also like MLB The Show, when you did like a road to the show, the basic name that you could do, I think it was like Joe No Name. Like that was his last name, No Name. Yeah. Um, Like we got uh, a good, we got a good guy coming up in a couple picks. He's got a good name. Easy for me to pronounce. It does have a good name and uh, it's, it's some irony there too. We'll get into that in a little bit. However, pick 209 now, uh, we already talked about Yeshivas enough, like you said. We, we mentioned him, I feel like, every couple episodes uh, at this point with, like, visiting the Giants, talking to the Giants. But Giant take fan favorite, yeah. I guess so. Uh, 209, Yaya Diaby, another great name there. I think Alex, at this point in the draft, it's getting late. He's just kind of looking here. Well, who's got a cool name? Oh, Yaya? All right, let's go for it. Uh, Edge out of Louisville. And you know what's funny? Even though he's picked 209, he played for Louisville, which is, you know, like a pretty, it's a D1 school. It's not like a D3. And it's also, he had good stats. I'm surprised he's not higher on this list. I guess the edge rushing class was just so dominant. 32 total tackles, 22 of them being solo tackles, two pass deflections. And then what stood out for me is nine sacks. Nine sacks as an edge rusher is really good. So again, I don't know why he's so low on this list. I guess, again, the edge rushers in this class are very good. And that's why there's he's so low here. Uh, but yeah, that definitely stood out to me. And then when watching his highlights, the um, the sacks that he did get were consistent and, and solid. And he's got some power there and some bursts. And uh, I was kind of blown away with how late he was drafted for his skill set, at least from the highlights, right? I mean, it's, it's highlights for a reason. Uh, I don't know what his lowlights looked like. I'm not a huge Louisville football fan. So <laughs> I, again, uh, but yeah, so that's my thoughts on uh, Diaby. Yeah, I mean... He definitely had an interesting name, but that was not the reason I picked him for sure. I, you know, I was kind of scrolling through. I was thinking at this point in time, um, you know, we kind of need a pure edge rusher, and that is what Diaby is. Uh, he's, you know, really high motor pass rusher, which is really what you need when you, you know, talking more of a situational guy. Uh, he's a great tackler, like you mentioned. Uh, he's got good balance. He's got great burst as well. Technique definitely leaves something to be desired. Um, you know, definitely uses more of his physical attributes to win, which is not going to be obviously as successful in the NFL. But like you said, nine sacks, great production. Uh, certainly an interesting player who uh, I think is projected more to go fourth, fifth round rather than sixth round. But every single mock I did, he's always sitting there. Um, he had a very smiley picture that he was looking at me with on the PFN mock draft. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a solid pick here. Probably my favorite pick of this draft. Uh, this mock draft, I should say, and uh, good value here. A little bit undersized for the position as well. That's something to keep in mind at only 6-3. This is a name I'm liking, Josh. Cam Jones uh, at pick 240 in the 6th, or this is the 7th round, actually, excuse me. Linebacker out of Indiana. Um, he is 6'1", 226. Not the most athletic guy. Uh, only ran a four six nine. Um, but he is certainly a, a very good blitzer, which I think is the main thing that people talk about with Jones. And I think that fits perfectly, uh, in Wink Martindale's system. You know, he's not the fastest on the numbers, I guess you can say four, six, nine, I just mentioned, 
Um, but overall, his in-game speed is actually a little bit quicker than that. And, um, you know, overall, he's a good tackler as well. Uh, he definitely is a struggle, you know, definitely struggles in pass, um, in pass coverage. And uh, he definitely is not uh, a lateral mover. He doesn't move well laterally, which is definitely something that's a concern for a linebacker. But I think as a special teams player, a worst case backup uh, linebacker for the Giants, Cam Jones, I think he could be decent. And that's all you're looking for in the seventh round. And uh, another easy name here. I picked 243. Alex is like, we already got one of them on the team. Let's just double it at this point. Cam Brown, cornerback out of Ohio State. Alex decided to press copy and paste, and here we are. Uh, just a good linebacker in cup, uh, good linebacker, good cornerback in coverage. I'm still thinking of Jones. And uh, I, I assume that's why he went with the pick. Doesn't have money stats. Again, played at a big school like Ohio State, was able to see action there, which not many people can say uh, who try and go and play football at a Big Ten school like the Ohio State University. However, not high in this draft. You're kind of just looking for the best guy available at this point, and Brown happened to be that close to the end of the draft. That's all I have to say about him. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a good tackler, good in run support. I think that's his main aspect as a corner, which is kind of ironic considering he is a corner. Um, but he's certainly, you know, a strong player in press man coverage. Definitely struggles badly in zone, so that's going to be a concern. Uh, luckily, Wink doesn't play too much zone, so maybe that's not an issue, but definitely more of a developmental guy, uh, and that's really what you're looking for in the seventh round, obviously. And our final pick here uh what is it? Pick 254. It's one of the last picks in the draft. It takes forever to do. These seventh round picks, when you're going through them and mocking them, it takes forever. Um, and at this point, I was remember, I actually remember this vividly when I was creating this mock. I was sitting there probably for 30 minutes trying to figure out what this last pick was going to be because I had no idea. And I'm going to go, well, I did go uh, with Nick Saldiveri. There we go. That's great. Saldiveri. There we go. Easy pronunciation. From Old Dominion, 6'6", 318 pounds, uh, a tackle, uh, you know, can play guard as well. He is, um, you know, kind of a guy who's got really good, you know, awareness, football IQ. I think that's pretty much all I've read about him. Uh, he's got good footwork as well. Phys- you know, physicality-wise, he's not, you know, your crazy athlete, uh, and that's why he's sitting here at pick 254. Uh, and he's definitely not the best pass protector either. Uh, you know, definitely stronger in the run game as well. So there's not really much to say about him. He's more of a body, bringing to the camp, uh, good size for the position. Pretty much I was pretty desperate at this point. And, and with that, with our last pick, let's just do the full quick recap here. Pick 25, Zay Flowers, wide receiver, Boston College. Pick 57, Tyreek Stevenson, cornerback, Miami. Pick 89, Joe Tipman, center, Wisconsin. Pick 128. TJ Spears, running back to Lane, pick 160. Kobe Wooden, defensive tackle out of Auburn, 172 was Andre Yashivash, a wide receiver out of Princeton. 209 was Yaya Diaby, edge out of Louisville. 240 was Cam Jones, linebacker, Indiana. Pick 243, Cam Brown, cornerback, The Ohio State University. And pick 254, the final pick of this mock draft, was Nick Saldaveri. Uh, guard slash tackle from Old Dominion. And that's going to do it for our 2023 New York Giants 7-Round Mock Draft 2.0. So before we wrap this one up, let's get some plugs in here. We thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. 
You can subscribe wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to shippingstudios.com slash giant take to find more places to listen. Our social media platforms are the Giant Take Pod on Twitter and TikTok, the Giant Take Podcast and Instagram and Facebook. Alex, he's on Twitter at annoying 23 I'm on Twitter at Joshua29. Uh, I would say look forward to some tweets maybe from us about the NBA playoffs. Both our New York teams, Alex's Brooklyn Nets and my New York Knicks have luckily solidified themselves in this year's first round. We'll see how far they go past that point. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're we're definitely really hyped. It's, it's kind of right now uh, between basketball and the football offseason uh, draft coverage. That's going to be really big these next couple weeks. So we're uh, we're really excited for that. What other plugs do I have? The rate five stars one. That's always a good one. You know, rate five stars on Apple Podcast, Spotify, write a little review if you want as well. Uh, we would really appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening thus far. Alex actually informed me. I don't know. Should I say this on the podcast or not about the uh, the Sigma episode? Yeah, well, March was actually our best ever month of the Giant Take podcast. So uh, there, there's a, uh, I guess, an additional. Well, you didn't even say anything. So. There you go. That's the one piece. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you, you listeners. We appreciate it. And we hope April can be even better because, well, the draft's in April and the final draft coverage is in April. So let's see if we can even top the best month in TGT history. You can go ahead with the outro now. That was the cue. That was the cue. All right. Thank you, everyone, (laughs) uh, for a great March. We're here in April leading up to the draft. I'm sure we'll have uh, you know more content, obviously, coming forward before the draft and lots of content during the draft. And uh, we're certainly excited for all that and this growing Giants team. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Peace. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.